0: All right, good morning again. Uh, Some announcements. It's a regular week next week, except for two things. Wednesday, there is going to be no Bible study. So everything will resume on the 10th. Youth ministry will resume on the 10th. And so will Bible study. And next Sunday, pay attention, look at your bulletin, next Sunday. Regular service in the morning, regular Sunday school. But our evening service, we'll do a New Year's fellowship, we'll have an evening service at 9 o'clock, hang out in the big room, fellowship, and bring in the new year with some uh, praise and prayer. So keep that in mind, January 7th and 14th, we're going to have a membership class, please sign up. If you want to become a member or you want to be baptized, you've got to go to the classes, so please keep that in mind. Um, tonight is our Christmas Eve service, 6 p.m., and um, if you want your giving statement, you gotta uh, call the office for that. And youth ministry is always in need of water, snacks, food for kids like that. So keep that in mind. And not last but not least, mom life. You have a celebration this coming Thursday, the 28th, seven to 9th. Excellent, excellent speaker, right? Excellent speaker. It's my wife, Eileen. Um, <laughs> So I already spoke, and it wasn't that excellent, I don't think. Maybe it was. But, ladies, I am encourage you to go to Mom Life, not just because my wife is there, because it's a really great ministry. That's why you should go. Um, and That's it. Let's uh, worship the Lord through giving. Let's, let's come before the Lord. Well, Father, we thank you again for who you are. You are all that we have sung about and even so much more. For mere human words cannot capture your greatness, Lord God. When we finally see you, Lord, it's going to be the most incredible day of our life when we see you full on because we will be fit to see holiness. Lord, we we thank you that you are a God who is preparing us for the day in which we will be with you forever. We ask, Lord God, that you help us, you empower us and you strengthen us, Lord God, to be students of your word, Lord, that we would know your word, we would hide it in our hearts so that we would let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, we would let the peace of Christ dwell in us, so that we would be obedient children. We thank you, Lord God, that in this world that's filled with troubles, you've overcome the world, but the battles are still here. The sorrow is still here. We thank you, Lord God, that we have you as an anchor for our soul and ever-present help in the time of trouble. And Lord, we come to you who ask, Lord God, that you be with Leo, We know that that drain was being removed this morning, Lord God. I don't know how it went. I'm assuming that no news is good news, Lord. We pray that it would come out fine, Lord. We pray that as Leo recovers from from his cancer surgery, Lord God, that um, you would remove the cancer and he would be just fine, Lord God. We lift up to you today, Brenda Moore, Lord, knowing she's in the hospital with an infection, Lord. Wow, Lord... We ask that you be with our sister. Lord, she fights and she battles and she remains faithful. She remains joyful, Lord God. Uh, But Lord, what a setback. We ask, Lord God, that you would get rid of this infection quickly. Lord, that this would not jeopardize her being on the on the transplant list at all. That you would give her the liver that she needs, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that you would do these things for the glory of your son and for the love of your sister, your daughter, that you love so much. Lord, we ask that you would be with our country. Our country so desperately needs you. We're a country divided on so many levels and so many issues, Lord God. But, Lord, we thank you that you have given to the church the truth. Lord, help us to be faithful in declaring the truth of your word. It's the only hope for any nation, for any people. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We lift up to you our leaders. I ask, Lord God, that they would hear your word from someone somehow. Lord, I ask that this Christmas season, from our president down to our mayors, Lord God, somehow the message of Christmas would get through and you would begin a work, Lord God, We thank you, Lord God, that you're the God who provides all that we need and even so much more. And we ask, Lord God, the gifts that you have blessed us with, Lord God, as we give back a portion, that you would multiply it and use it for the building of your kingdom, for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Kids K through 4 with Pastor John, Miss Gina, Miss Gina. Happy birthday to Miss Gina, by the way. And Miss Sue, happy birthday. 249, oh come all ye faithful. 249.
0: All right, good morning again. We're going to continue in Ephesians today. We're going to be talking today about spiritual warfare. Don't worry, it fits with Christmas. Don't worry. The term spiritual warfare is not found in Scripture at all. It's a term actually used to encapsulate what the Apostle Paul means when he speaks about wrestling against flesh and not against flesh and blood and the weapons of our warfare. The title for today is, What is Spiritual Warfare? What is Spiritual Warfare? Our text is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. I'd ask that you turn in your Bibles there as we would stand and we would read God's holy word and pray that we hear from God. Let's pray. Father, again, as we come to your word, your holy, life-giving word, we ask again, Lord God, that you would make yourself known to us. Lord, that we would hear you speak, O Lord. Take your word, plant it deep in us, Shape and fashion us into your likeness, O God. Lord, we, we so desperately need you. Lord, if we really step back and think about it, truly what you said is true. Everything you say is true, but without you, we really can do nothing. We cannot even breathe if it was not for you. How much more live a life that is pleasing unto you? So help us in this, Lord, because we need it. Help us because we want it. Help us because we love you and we want to honor you and do what you say. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. This is what God says to us today, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. Finally. To that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that words may be given to me to open to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. It's the word of the Lord, you may be seated. If we were to define spiritual warfare What would a definition be? Spiritual warfare, I guess we could define it as this. A Christian's battle against the devil and spiritual forces of evil. Isn't that not what our text tells us today? Look again what it says in verses 10 to 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil... For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against all spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul tells us that we do battle against the devil, cosmic powers, and spiritual forces of evil. Peter tells us in his epistle that the devil prowls around seeking whom he May devour. First Peter 5 8 says this be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Well, given these verses, is our definition of spiritual warfare correct? Again, what is our definition? Spiritual warfare is a Christian's battle against the devil and spiritual forces of evil. I would submit to you today that that is partially correct. It is partially correct. But before we go any further, it would be wise for us to to define who the devil is. Let's talk about our enemy, right? Uh, 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 You know, what's the old line from the Godfather? Hold your friends close and your enemies even closer, right? You gotta know your enemy. Not that we hold the devil close to us but we are told in detail who he is in Scripture. We are told who he is and what he does, and I think we often have misconceptions about who the devil is and how powerful he is. Full disclosure, the points I'm about to share, I stole right off of gotquestions.org. Why try to recreate the wheel when somebody else does it better? But concerning Satan, the Bible gives the following information. Satan is a personal being with a mind, emotions, and a will. Right? Job 1 shows us that. Matthew 4, the temptation of Jesus, shows us that. He is a created being and is not equal to God. That's a great misconception for many. He is a created being. The devil, actually he wasn't devil, Lucifer at the time, was created when God created the heavens and the earth That's when he was created. He is a created being. He is not equal with God. He is not unequal standing with God on any level. He also is not Jesus' brother. That's a false teaching also. That they're equal, they're brothers, they're at odds against each other. Ezekiel 28.15 tells us this truth. You can look these up for yourselves. Satan does not rule hell. As the comics would show, as uh, you'd see him down in hell sitting on his throne. That is not true. He does not rule hell. He is a create- hell was created for us a punishment for Satan and his demons. Jesus tells us that in Matthew 25, 41. He doesn't live in hell, as we said, because he comes and goes. He roams the earth and can enter heaven as God says he can. Job 1, 6-7 tells us that. The devil can only do what God allows. Job 1.12 tells us that. You remember when he came against Job? And God sent parameters and limits for him. And just we read the story of Job, you know the story of Job, and, and, and the devil says to him, skin for skin. Right? As soon as you touch him, touch him physically, he's gonna deny you. The devil does not have power to create sickness unless God gives it to him. Okay? He can do nothing outside of what God allows him to do. Satan is not omnipresent. He's not any of the omnis, by the way, because he's not equal to God. He is not everywhere at the same time to the same degree as God is. He's a created being, and therefore he's localized in his being. Wherever he is, that's where the devil is. He does does oversee a horde of demons called the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our text tells us this. And he uses this network to tempt and deceive people. He actively works to nullify the effect of the word of God in people's heart. Matthew 13 tells us this. And he blinds the intellect of those who do not believe so that they cannot understand the gospel, 2 Corinthians 4.4. So now that we understand the devil a little bit better, let us go back to our definition of spiritual warfare. But I want to look particularly at the last two points that we just said about Satan or the devil, to form a biblical definition of spiritual warfare. The last two points are that Satan is not omnipresent, but he does oversee a horde of demons called the powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Notice to highlight. He uses this network to tempt and deceive people. The last point was he, notice a highlight, he actively works to nullify the effect of the word of God in people's hearts. We could summarize this by saying the devil seeks to tempt people to sin through deception and thus nullify the word of God in the believer's heart and mind. And since this is true, what is an accurate definition of Spiritual warfare, what is a biblical definition of spiritual warfare? I would submit to you it is this, and this did not, I just came up with this on my own. Spiritual warfare is putting to death what is earthly in a believer through the word of Christ dwelling richly in the believer so that the Holy Spirit empowers the believer to understand and be obedient to God's holy commands. Spiritual warfare can also be defined in one word sanctification. Sanctification. First Thessalonians 4:3 says for this is the will of God your sanctification. God desires, the will of God for you and I is that we be sanctified, that we be holy. Sanctification is hagiasmos; It means setting apart unto God. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, says this. Do not present your members, that is your body, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And while the Christian recognizes the truth that they are righteous before God by the blood of Christ, we do realize and we do know, and we're told in Scripture that we are still tethered to the old sinful nature. And the Christian, the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, is told just like Cain was, that we must master sin. That we must master sin. To master sin means to put to death anything that is contrary to God's holy word. As Paul writes to the church in Colossae, he writes this, put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. wage, spiritual warfare, of putting to death the sin that is in us, the original sin, the remaining sin, is to put God's Word in our heart. And a a few weeks ago, probably a month ago now, I I challenged you and I encouraged you to memorize Colossians 3, 1 to 17. Put that in your heart. Go over it daily. Put to death, therefore, what is this? Now you must put on all these, kindness, compassionate hearts, tenderness, all of those things, what God wants us to be. Spiritual warfare for the believer is primarily an inward battle against indwelling sin. The battle is not fought, spiritual warfare is not fought by casting out demons. Now I know many might believe this, Many of you know my background. I come from such a background. We do not wage warfare by casting out demons. We don't get delivered from demonic oppression or demonic possession. If you are a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be possessed by anything other than the Holy Spirit. He leaves no room. I know of people who have struggled. They said they've been under spiritual warfare. They need to be delivered from the demon of immorality. There is no demon of immorality. There is no demon of laziness or anger or gluttony. How about you're just a sinful person? How about you're just, you're just an immoral person? You're just lazy. When I was in college, many would go to a deliverance service. I remember one guy telling me, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just having a hard time getting up to go to class and I'm, you know, falling behind on my schoolwork and this and that, and and I found out I have the demon of laziness. And I said to him, have you ever just considered the fact that you're lazy? I mean, really? A demon of laziness? I mean, isn't it great to have an excuse for all our failings? Isn't that the culture of the world today? Everybody's a victim. It's never my fault. No, I never did this. You did this. You made me do such and such. Not taking responsibility. We're not engaging in spiritual warfare when a bad diagnosis comes and the car breaks down or we lose our keys. So many times people say, Oh, I'm just under oppression, you know, because the car broke down. No, how about your car broke down? The car breaking down, the bad diagnosis is not spiritual warfare, but your response to such situations, that is spiritual warfare. How do I think about that? How do I respond to that? How do I think about God in that? Spiritual warfare for the believer. putting to death, indwelling sin. But I'd say even more, more closely defined, if that's the way to put it, you know my horrible link. But when it really comes down to it, what is spiritual warfare's crux? It's, it's what I believe about God. What do I really believe about God? The Scripture tells us we're not fighting against uh, particularly demons or situations. Rather, we are fighting against the schemes of the devil. That's what the Bible tells us, what it says again in verses 10 to 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So if God in his holy word tells us that spiritual warfare is against the schemes of the devil, then we should define spiritual warfare as against the schemes of the devil. The word schemes is methodia which we get our word method from, right? It means crafty scheming with the intent to deceive. The schemes of the whore, the schemes of the devil and the and his hordes is to get us to not believe that God is good and to compromise the truth of God's word. Let me say that to you again. The scheme of the devil and his hordes is to get us to believe that God is not good and to compromise the truth of God's word. This is exactly, this is exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. The serpent, we're told, was more crafty than any other animal. And he deceived Adam and Eve to sin against God. We must not take lightly the schemes of the devil. I want to recommend to you a book that I have found to be so enjoyable, so easy to read, so helpful in spiritual warfare. It's by Thomas Brooks. He's a Puritan who lived from 1608 to 1680, entitled Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. Precious Remedies Against Satan Devices. It's easy to read, and I promise you, you'll be encouraged. It's 99 cents if you buy it on Kindle. The best dollar you'll ever spend. And I want to recommend to you a podcast. I want to recommend to you the Just Thinking podcast. You've heard me say it the last past several weeks. I really, really Really enjoy these guys. Virgil Walker and David uh, Harrison. I would encourage you to listen to episode number 122, Spiritual Warfare. All of their podcasts are absolutely fantastic. It will help you, Christian, in your walk. You want to understand what God says about indwelling sin? Listen to the Just Thinking Podcast, the one about one. Listen to it about the state. Listen to it about race. Listen to the, It's just fantastic. They, they always bring the biblical perspective to it. These are helps that God has given us to understand and put into practice what His Word says. They don't take away the Bible, that is our primary source. As believers, you and I are responsible to hide God's word in our hearts that we would not sin against God. But we must remember this, that our strength, even the strength to hide God's word in our hearts does not come from us. It comes from God himself. We are utterly unable in and of ourselves to please God or stand against the schemes of the devil. Jesus said that without him, You and I can do absolutely nothing. In John 15, 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You and I as believers are to abide in Christ. That's what it means Uh, what Paul means when he says be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. What was the key word for Ephesians? Anybody remember the key word for the book of Ephesians? Oh man, this is, I, I failed, I failed. In, in, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ in the Lord, in Christ, in. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. When it comes to spiritual warfare, we cannot be victorious on our own strength. We can't say, I'm just going to be a good person and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to look at that anymore. I'm not going to talk like that anymore. I'm not going to act like that anymore. We may be victorious for about three seconds. We cannot do it in our own strength. And if you don't believe me, just read in Acts chapter 19, the seven sons of Sceva. You know the story. These guys, these Jewish sons were watching Paul do miraculous works. Paul was given the ability to cast out spirits. And, and just, just to go back to my first point before about casting out demons... Only Jesus and the apostles were given that right. Only Jesus and the apostles were given that right. And even the apostles couldn't do it all the time. And the way that we get rid of demons or fight, Jesus says sometimes this comes out only by prayer and fasting. That's it. But they were watching Paul. And they wanted the power of Paul, so they, they stumbled upon so this one guy, one guy, seven brothers come across one guy who's possessed of a demon. And so in their own strength, they said, I cast you out in the name of Paul and of Jesus. And the Bible tells us that this guy looked at him and says, well, I know Paul and I know who Jesus is, but I don't know who you are. And he beats them up so bad. One guy beats up the seven so bad that they went away naked and bleeding. Don't underestimate the power of the devil. Don't ever think that you and I and our own strength can stand. Because we cannot. We cannot. Apart from being attached to the vine, we can do nothing. But what kind of power do we have access to? What kind of power is ours? You know, Paul had already told us that in chapter 1. In that great prayer that we did a few weeks ago when we talked about marriage. Ephesians 1, 15 to 22. For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you first what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. So let me stop there for a second. Spiritual warfare is always a battle for the mind. Always a battle for the mind. Scripture over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Do you think Scripture tells us over about the mind, about your mind, what you believe and what you think? Be renewed in your mind. What we believe. So Paul first prays that they would have the Spirit capital S, by the way, Holy Spirit wisdom, to have a revelation and a knowledge of who God is, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of this glorious inheritance in saints, and what is, listen to this, the immeasurable, measurable, unable to be measured, has no bottom, has no, t- it's just beyond being able to be measured, Cannot quantify it in any way. The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. What kind of power that is immeasurable towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might, Energia is the word, if you remember, that he worked in Christ when he Raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. It's resurrection power. We must pray for ourselves. We must pray for ourselves that God would open the eyes of our hearts, that they would be enlightened so that we see the schemes of the devil and that we would be able to stand in the Lord's might and His resurrection power against Satan's power, which is no power compared to the resurrection power. This is the whole point of why Jesus came into the world. Here's the Christmas part. The whole point of Jesus coming into the world is so that His adopted sons and daughters could be victorious over the devil. 1 John 3, 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Hey, you want to keep on sinning, doing your own thing? Well, You're of the devil. You're of His mindset. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And so that baby in the manger, his name is the Lord of hosts. You know what the Lord of hosts is? That's Jesus' warrior name. He's the commander of the Lord's armies. And not that Jesus needs an army behind him. They're there just for show. And he doesn't even need that. The baby in the manger is a warrior. And he has come and he has destroyed the works of the devil on the cross. That's what Colossians tells us in Colossians 2 14 and 15 that he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. Wait, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, we're told. He disarmed. Loved ones, we have a disarmed enemy. He's powerful, but he's disarmed. He's disarmed because of the cross and the blood of Christ on us. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him, in Christ, in Christ alone, do we have victory in spiritual warfare. And though he's defeated, he is still powerful. He is a created angelic being. And just by nature of that, he's more powerful than you and I. He is still the prince of the power of the air. He is still the ruler of the sons of disobedience. He is seeking to destroy you in hell. This is the battle from the beginning. This is what it says in Genesis 3.15. Where God says, I will put entity between you, that is, Satan, and the woman, and between her offspring, and her, between your offspring and her offspring, between the hordes of the devil and the Sons of the earth. This is the battle from the beginning. This is what God said. Remember what else God said. He shall bruise the seed of the woman. Jesus Christ will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel or crush his head. The enemy of our soul is seeking to devour us. Remember what Jesus said to Peter. Satan has asked to swift sift you like wheat. He came in and he asked, "Yes, ask permission. can I sift can I sift Peter like wheat by wheat?" And Jesus tells Peter, "What? Don't worry, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, who has the name above all names, seated in the heavenly realms, above all rule and authority and power, is praying for you and I. You and I, as God's children, adopt the children, if we are indeed God's adopted child. Are you God's adopted child today? Do you know what it means to be rescued from the dominion of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the Son of which He loves? Have you confessed your sins to God for, and asked for forgiveness and asked God to help you to live a life that is pleasing unto God? If not, you are firmly under the control of the devil. And your end will be where his end will be, hell. That's what the scriptures tell us. The Bible tells us that he who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Would you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ this day? For the forgiveness of sins and the salvation of your soul. And for living a life that is pleasing unto God. We're kept secure as God's children by the blood of Christ. But we are given the responsibility to battle against indwelling sin. How you battle against indwelling sin is through repentance and turning from it. Repentance is a key part of spiritual warfare, by the way. The battle to kill indwelling sin, to live a life that is pleasing to God will not be fully over until we are glorified with Christ in heaven. Till then, we are to wear the armor of God. Remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. And as we receive with meekness the implanted word of God, we will resist the devil. He will flee from us and it will save our souls. I want to read for you a hymn that you know. Maybe if you don't know it, if we had the music, you would know the melody. I don't know how many of you grew up in the 70s watching Davy and Goliath. Right? A mighty fortress is our God. Martin Luther wrote these words. He says, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amidst the, amidst the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus it is he. Lord Sabaoth, by the way, that's also the commander of the Lord's armies. His name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. You know, we need to learn how to be more afraid of God than anyone else. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gift are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. The greatest battle we have, it's not our finances. It's not our health. Those are real, legitimate battles. Don't get me wrong. They can be spiritual. How we respond to those are spiritual. But it's the putting to death that which is earthly in a believer. If we fail to take on this battle, you can be sure, you can be sure that you will have no place in heaven. That is not Pastor Eric. That is the Word of God. Paul began the book by saying this is who God is. This is how great God is. This is God's incredible plan of salvation from the foundation of the earth. This is who God is and that he brings people together, that he's broken down hostility, that he's called us to be united in the church. This is who God says we are to be in terms of our family, in terms of our marriage, in terms of our workplace. And Paul ends the book with spiritual warfare because all of those issues are issues of spiritual warfare. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit and with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Father, we ask that you help us because we need your help. We ask again you forgive us for our sins, Lord God. Empower us, Lord God, with that resurrection power to put to death that which is earthly in us that we would live a life that is pleasing unto God, for the glory of Christ, we ask it. Amen, and amen. Let's stand. Let's close in the
1: song. I invite you all to grab your hymnals and turn to page two seventy-one, two seventy-one. Joyful, joyful. Doria, two seven one Joyful Joyful See you all.